What's going on, guys? Welcome to UFC Unwrapped. Thanks for tuning in again. This is Brent Sahadi, your host. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at UFC Unwrapped, and you can find this podcast at the App Store um, on the podcast app. I think we're getting on Spotify next week. Uh, Google Play should be there too. Um, we have a whole sports network that covers other sports like NBA, MLB, NFL. Uh, but right now, the best way to find us is on that purple podcast app that comes with your iPhone and I believe on Google Play. And a YouTube channel is coming soon. Uh, we just did a deal with an app called Sportscaster. I believe it's called Sportscaster. So S-P-O-R-T-S, but then Caster is spelled C-A-S-T-R. And what that does is it's similar to youtube in a way where i can live stream video um audio as well i don't know it's we're experimenting with it so uh that's something that you guys should get downloaded too and i'll let you guys know when we're up and running on sportscaster uh so this podcast i want to talk about ufc 239 Uh, i'm going to recap that that whole card i want to recap my experience in las vegas for that card and then i'm gonna have my man uh zan bando he goes um his Twitter is at Zan, Z-A-I-N-B-A-N-D-O-99. Uh, I'm going to have him on again to help me break down the upcoming Fight Night card tomorrow. Uh, we're going to do some some betting tips, predictions. So that's going to be uh, a little bit later in this podcast. But damn, do I want to tell you guys about my experience in Vegas. This was so uh, on impulse. I just decided to go to Vegas for this card. I wanted to get away. I have a lot of problems back at home right now that I apparently don't know how to deal with stress. So I just booked a trip to Vegas. I bought a ticket last minute. I met some really cool people. I made some uh, permanent friends, man, in the line for the weigh-ins, the press conference. I was there. And then obviously the actual fight night card. It was a huge, huge experience for me. One of the best cards I've ever seen. I've been to a, a handful of UFC events, but this one was special. Uh, I remember, so the first fight was Julia Avila versus Penny Kianzad. Uh, damn, Penny was actually very, very good in that fight. She seemed to be able to touch up uh, Avila at will on the feet. It was it was like this, I, I don't even know. She had this aura on her. Whenever she wanted to throw a punch, Avila's face was there. Avila took a lot of damage in that fight. And in person, it was much more prominent. You could see the, the the damage. You could see her head getting pushed back every time a shot was there. So I honestly thought that Penny was going to get that decision. But then I think it was somewhere in the third round, uh, Avila kind of put it on her and made a statement there. But, you know, Penny definitely should not get cut. I think she was fighting for her contract on this card. And she should definitely not be cut. That was a really, really tough fight. And I really liked the way she looked in there. A lot of heart on that girl. A lot of skill as well. Uh, the next fight was Ismail Nordiev versus Chance Rencounter. Look, this fight, I'm pissed. This is why I don't sports bet. This is why I don't sports bet. I went 8 for 9 on a parlay. All favorites. This was my only guy that lost. The second heaviest favorite. Ismail Nordiev was like a minus 550. And he just, I mean, I don't know. I can't hold anything against him. Chance is a really good 
a really good fighter, you know? Um, that's, I'm not going to hold it against him. Great performance by Chance. Boring-ass fight because of Chance, in my opinion. Uh, he got Ismail down as many times as he wanted, but did absolutely no damage on the ground. Ismail was fine. He just kept position. And then you would see when Ismail would get up, I mean, he would do some some damage on the feet. Like, he was piecing Chance up a little bit on the feet. But when it came to the ground game, there was just nothing there. He had no answers for Chance, which is kind of crazy. Um, bummer, man. Like, all you need is that Russian-sounding last name and your minus 500 favorite on a card. I should have done my research, my due diligence a little bit more before I put him on a parlay. It sucked. Um... Yeah, I mean, I actually had some dogs on that parlay. Um, it wasn't all favorites, so it sucked that, like, I had Jan and Jorge Masvidal, but then, like, my heaviest favorite, you know, he's the one that couldn't perform. But it's all good. It's all good. I'm not pissed. I'm pissed, but whatever. Um, damn, dude, the next fight, Edmund Shabazian. I, this is the second time I've seen this guy live. Versus Jack Marshman. Edmund is phenomenal. 10-0. He got him in the first round submission. Dude, this guy... I don't know what it is. His presence. He's 21 years old. From the second that bell rang, Edmund was all over Marshman. And I was doing some research on this fight before it happened. And I saw a lot of people were taking Marshman as the dog. He was like a plus 450. A lot of people were taking him as the dog, uh, just underestimating Edmund, and he came out there and made a statement. What I was really surprised about was that Edmund's a middleweight. I didn't really notice that in person. Like He was so lean in person. You couldn't really tell he was that big of a guy, but if, if he's cutting weight to make the 185-pound limit, dude must be big, especially for 21 years old. Sky's the limit. He said he wants the next... Um, not the next title shot, but he wants to be the youngest UFC champ in history. So he's going to need to be one of those next title shot contenders. So they got to they gotta find some competition for him. I mean, at middleweight, it's stacked. I don't really know what's next for him. But if he wants to break the rankings, he should probably take a fight with, like, David Branch. Um, even, like, Brad Tavares, if he wants to try to break that, like, top 10 spot. I think this guy's ready for the tough competition. He opens up as huge favorites and he performs as if he's a huge favorite. It's not like close fights. Like we see John Jones. I'm, by no means am I comparing this kid to John Jones. I'm just saying as far as odds go for betting, like we'll see John open up at like a minus 700, but then it's like a close fight. So this kid makes statements every fight. Give him like a, a Brad Tavares. Give him a David Branch. Somewhere to get a... Um, himself a ranking i really like this kid i don't i don't know who's gonna beat him at middleweight right now uh his his whole game is rounded his ground game his striking his aggression he seems to have the fight iq i love it man edmund shabazi and remember his name and then claudia gadelia versus random marcos um Look, when, when that Ismail Nordia fight versus Chance Run Counter fight was going on, I was, like, kind of relieved. I was like, okay, phew, like, most boring fight out of the way. Now we have a full card 
of just amazing stuff about to happen, right? I was like, the most boring fights out of the way, let's go. And, uh, yeah, this fight was terrible. It was super, super boring. Oh, man, I mean, Claudia did, did her thing. They both played a pretty safe game, but for, for Randa Marcos, who was fighting for her contract, I mean, like, look, you got to risk getting knocked out at that point to make a statement. Like, you knew the, the card, you knew the fight was going to the judges' scorecards. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, I don't know. She must have thought she was up on the scorecards or, like, she was fine with the going to decision. I don't know. She started picking up the pace a little bit more in the third round. But anyways, most boring fight I've seen in a while uh, was that women's strawweight fight. Claudia Gadali versus Randa Marcos. I don't know, man. I don't know what's next for uh, for Claudia either. I wasn't super happy about her performance, but at least she did her thing. Uh, bantamweight fight was next. Marlon Vera versus... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, to be honest with you. It's Nohalen Hernandez. Uh, I was not impressed with Cheeto Vera. I will be the first one to say it. I don't know if anyone else is talking about this. Like, yeah, he did end up getting that knee and then submitting his opponent. But, dude, this guy took the fight on, like, less than two weeks' notice. And you were getting pieced up on the feet, Cheeto. You are getting pieced up. Like, no one... Is giving this guy credit. Like, Cheeto got hit a lot. This guy is a boxer by background, by the way. A boxer by background. And he landed a head kick on on Marlon Vera. Can you imagine what Cheeto would have looked like in there against Sean O'Malley? I mean, everyone keeps saying, yeah, but Cheeto's th- this is better. His ground game's better. His jiu-jitsu's better. I mean, yeah, but we saw Cheeto in some very uncomfortable spots on the ground from a boxer on two weeks' notice. Like, bravo to your, to finishing the fight, Cheeto. I'm not holding that against you, but damn, there's levels to this game. And, like, I personally thought that it was going to be a really close fight between Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera. But this... Based off the performance I saw, regardless of the submission, regardless of the knee he ended up getting on him yeah there was some close submissions um on the ground he was going for some submission attempts but he never got him uh until obviously he landed that knee but i think that fight would have been way different if sean was in there i think sean would have um landed at will on the feet i think he would have stuffed the takedowns of of cheeto for a while um i think sean would have definitely held his own on the ground with this guy considering uh, Hernandez is a boxer. He's not even. He doesn't even do jujitsu, and he took this fight on two weeks' notice and was able to like do pretty well on the ground. Uh, I would I would bet the house on O'Malley to beat Cheeto if they ever rebook that fight. And I know I'm gonna get some heat from you guys about this. Some of the Marlon Vera fans. I don't care. I was there live. I saw what I saw. Sean would have had Cheeto's number, man. Sean would have pieced them up. That fight would have been. Uh, probably a late first round or mid second round TKO by Sean. He, I mean, if this dude was landing on Will at, at Will on Cheeto, then Sean would have really pieced him up. That's just my take on it. But uh, sorry to piss all you fans off that love Cheeto. I love him too, but nah, nah, not even close. Sean would have, Sean would have done his thing in there. 
Uh, the next the next fight is Gilbert Melendez versus Arnold Allen. Um, yeah, I mean that fight kind of went how a lot of people thought it was gonna go. Gil showed a lot of heart. He was ready to scrap. Uh, we saw Arnold try to try to get into a couple slugfests with Gil and realize it wasn't a good idea, and then started playing a safer game. Um, yeah, predictable predictable outcome. Good performance by Arnold Allen. Um, fifteen and one now. Not really sure what's next for him. I mean, featherweight is stacked. So there's a lot of good guys in there. Maybe uh, Ricardo Lamas would be a good fight for Arnold Allen. Oh, I guess Arnold's actually ranked higher than Ricardo now. He's 13th. I didn't see that coming. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Shane Burgos versus Arnold Allen. That might be the fight that you see next between those guys. Uh, let's see. So, okay, the main card. Here we go. Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. I mean, a lot of people saw this this fight going that way. Um, I just realized I skipped an incredible fight. I knew I skipped a fight. Okay, Song Yudong versus Alejandro Perez. On the on the prelims, damn son, damn this kid is the truth. Twenty one years old, put away Alejandro Perez with that perfectly placed right hand, perfectly timed that counter. I think Alejandro threw a single leg kick and Song just went straight for that right cross, dropped him. Not it was a flatline KO. That was absolutely beautiful. And this kid came out to, uh, I mean, b- based off his name, you should be able to tell Song Yudong, he's a, a Chinese fellow. He came out to that, everybody was kung fu fighting song, and like, it was hilarious. And then Alejandro Perez, I took videos of all this, by the way, you can find it on the Twitter at UFC Unwrapped. Uh, and then Alejandro came out to this, uh, I don't know if it was like mariachi music, it was hilarious. And then, uh. For like an extended period of time, like two minutes, they showed Song Yudong on the big screen while Alejandro's like mariachi music was playing, and it was hilarious. And uh, yeah, I have videos of all of that on the Twitter account, so go look that up. But damn, this kid is freaking good at bantamweight. Fourteen and three. That knockout was absolutely beautiful. Damn, if I had to choose a next fight for him, I'd say, uh, damn, you know, honestly, like Rob Font, John, John Dodson, either of those guys would be really good. Uh, I wouldn't even be mad at like a Cody Stammen fight, but Song is ready for the big boys, man. I think John Dodson would be a really fun fight. Um, they got to do that one next. I love that matchup. Uh, or if Thomas Almeida makes some noise, like that would be a fun scrap too. Damn, I love that fight. Uh, okay, now we can get into that main card, right? Uh, Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. So, to be honest with you, I had Diego winning this fight. I mean, not after the decision, obviously. But before the fight happened, I had Diego winning because I was thinking, like, okay, Diego's never been submitted. And Chiesa's never KO'd anybody. 
I don't know. Diego's looked really good his last couple fights too. I just thought for whatever reason he'd be able to, with his aggression, his tenacity, his craziness, his experience. I thought he was going to outwork Chiesa. I thought I was actually taking uh, Sanchez to to win by decision. That was my prediction. But Chiesa looked really good in there. He outgrappled Sanchez. Uh, outworked him on the feet. I worked him on the ground. Just all around, I worked him. I don't know, man. Is it time for Diego to hang to hang him up? That's up to him. But uh, you know, Chiesa looked really, really good. I'm excited to see Chiesa back to take on some top welterweight challengers. Uh, if I had to choose who was next for Chiesa, uh, I don't know, man. Damien Maya, Neil Magny. Those are some names. I could see Neil Magny being fun, but I know there's some like drug test issues going on there. Um, yeah, man, Damien Maya. That could be fun. I don't know if Damien has a, a fight booked already. For whatever reason, I think... No, did he just fight? Anyway, good job, Michael Chiesa. You did a really good job. I had you losing, but you did uh, a really good job and you proved me wrong, so... Good job. The next fight, light heavyweight. Jan Blockowicz versus Luke Rockhold. Uh, who called this? I mean, Jan called this. He predicted in an interview that he was going to KO Rockhold in the second round, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, I'm an idiot because I was there live, right? And I was so caught up in just posting good content for you guys on Twitter that I was editing a video on my phone right when that, that knockout happened because what I was looking at for, for a little bit was just some clinching on the fence. I just saw some clinching. I was like, okay, I'm safe for like 10 seconds to edit this video, and then I'm going to look up, and they're going to still be clinching. And I guess within that 10-second window, um, they broke that clinch whatever was going on against the cage and Jan blasted him with a couple of rockets and broke his jaw and knocked him out so I'm looking down on my phone just editing this video and all of a sudden I just hear oh from everyone and uh that sent some adrenaline through my body and I just look up and like the the big lights turned on and you just see Rockhold on the ground kind of in shock and I remember looking at him and his jaw was just open like Imagine you just saw something that put you in complete shock. Like, that was the facial expression on Rockhold when he got knocked out. And now I know it's because his jaw was broken. So, I hope Luke heals up well. Um, I I don't know, man. Is, is light heavyweight the division for you? I don't know. If you can't learn to keep your right hand up, this is something I noticed. Rockhold had no respect for Jan at all in that fight. At all. Like, dude, you can't keep fighting like this. You gotta respect your opponents, dude. These Polish don't fuck around. So, he's like taunting Jan, has his hands down by his sides, throwing single strikes. I mean, he really just did not fight an intelligent fight. And Jan really deserved that win. And I think he looked phenomenal. And he really, really hit him with some power, too. I mean, he went vintage Jan mode on him, like, Sky is the limit for 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 Jan. I mean, yeah, he he's coming from that loss on Tiago, but we also saw how good Tiago was too. 
So, you know, for Jan, who's ranked number five right now, you got to give him like Anthony Smith. You got to you got to get him into that gatekeeper area right there. You know, I think Tiago deserves a rematch with Jones. And I know Jones doesn't want it, but I think Tiago deserves it. But Jones wants to fight again this year if his body lets him. So I don't know who he fights next. I don't know. What are they going to do? I think they might give him Corey Anderson, to be honest. So we'll see. But there are some other contenders. Um, that Alexander Rakic guy, he's there to look forward to. Johnny Walker is there. Um, they could either build these guys up separately or they could do like one of the coolest fights ever and have these two assassins fight each other. I would not be mad. But yeah, man, tough, tough loss for Rockhold. I don't know how he's going to bounce back from that. He might might just hang him up. I mean, he has so much damage to his body now. His shin, the jaw, it's like the second time he broke it, I'm pretty sure. Like, come on, man, you got a bright future in modeling. Just go do that. You're stud. Just, um, or just fight more intelligently, man. I don't know, but damn, Jan looked beautiful in that fight. I loved it. And, uh... I don't know if you heard about this fight or not. It kind of flew under the radar completely. No one's really talking about it. Um, this guy, Jorge Masvidal, versus uh, this guy who came over from one. His name is Ben Askren. Have you guys heard of either of these guys? I don't know if you've seen anything on social media. Okay, I'm trolling. Dude, history was made. I was super, super in the moment and present for this fight because uh, I missed, as I said, I missed the Rockhold knockout. So I was really upset with myself. Like I was like, damn, Brant, you should have just been put the phone in your pocket and focus on the fight. So I told myself, I was like, for the rest of this card, I am gluing my eyes to the ring and I'm not looking anywhere else for any other reason. And it couldn't have been at a more perfect time because... I was watching the complete mannerisms of Jorge as he was walking out to the ring, to the octagon. I was watching Ben's mannerisms, and you know, Ben looked pretty confident. He was trying to like warm up, be a little bit light on his feet. He looked serious. He looked like he was there for business. Um, and Jorge just had this aura of confidence around him, like as if the fight was over. Like he had this like post-fight celebration attitude from before the fight even started so i knew something was up with that i knew something was was not something was gonna happen i knew it i could feel it and then you see them in the ring to in the octagon together and uh jorge's kind of just leaning back uh something i noticed too is jorge kept wiping his knees if you guys go back and you watch that fight like, watch the walkouts, too. Like, you'll see when they're in the octagon, Jorge's, like, constantly wiping his knees. He He's putting his hands on his knees. He's getting some blood flow in there. Like, he's premeditating it, and he made it pretty obvious that the knee was coming. Like, I've never seen him do that before. Just, it had to have been, like, six times wiped his knees before the fight started. So, and then, damn, I mean, I'm, okay, so I'm watching, they're, they're uh, talking some smack to each other, because my seat was facing the back of Ben Askren. So, my seat was facing Jorge face on, and seeing the back of Ben Askren. So, the, the ref, he says fight, 
and I just see Jorge take a couple steps to the right. So first he's leaning on the fence. He takes a couple steps to the right, and I'm like, okay, he's like relaxed. I don't know what his game plan is. And then you just see something you don't see ever is a full-on sprint, arms pumping. Arms pumping. His hands weren't even protecting himself. Arms pumping, full-on sprint straight towards Ben Askren. And he jumped up and he landed that knee, and I could hear that shit from the nosebleeds. And you just see Ben become stiff as a board, hit the ground. And those follow-up shots were nasty for Masvidal. And I was in such shock. I didn't. I really didn't even think two seconds went by. And I honestly, like, if you look up the, if you look up the fight and you take it frame by frame, like that knee touched Askren's face at one second in. That knee touched Askren's face at one second in. So within two seconds, Askren was out cold. Hits the ground at three seconds, maybe at two. 2.5 seconds, Askren's on the ground. And then those two follow-up shots were the other two and a half seconds. This was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. It was literally like watching your kid be born. Like, I wanted to cry. This was... I, I was in shock of how it happened. I was so confused. I mean, later we went to uh, social media. We got to see Mike Brown... Uh, Jorge's coach at ATT posts the video of Jorge training that knee repetitively, you know, 48 hours before. He's probably been practicing that for months. It was so flush, so perfectly. And what was, it was just creepy. Like, as soon as the, the, the ref starts the fight, like, you just see Jorge kind of, like, lean back off the cage and then just shake his his head at him you'll see if you look closely like this little head shake at him like you don't know what's coming boy ran straight at him full sprint arms pumping landed that knee that was the most beautiful knockout in ufc history let alone the fastest like the most accurate i mean it really it had that like mcgregor aldo-esque to it it really did because like i remember I'm sure you guys remember too, but when, when McGregor knocked out Aldo, you see that he was practicing that same sequence in the locker room right before the walkout. He's like, this is how I'm going to knock him out. This is what he's going to do. This is how I'm going to knock him out. This is exactly what Jorge did to Ben in just literally one second into the fight. Full on sprint, timed it perfectly, spaced it perfectly. The speed, he's a technician. I'm never underestimating Jorge Masvidal again, ever. Uh, I think Ben Askren is going to come back in 2020. I don't think he's going to be back this year. It's probably going to be like spring 2020. Ben Askren will be back. He will be better. Mark my words. Ben Askren will be better than he was before. He was. And I feel bad for the next dude fighting Askren. Because they're not going to be able to hit that same kind of game plan on Askren. No one's going to be able to flying knee at the opener. Uh, knock out Ben Askren. It's just not going to happen. So Ben is going to be a way more intelligent version of himself in his next fight. I'm really, really excited for what's next for Ben. I don't really want to talk about what's next for him because I feel like there's going to be a lot of movement in the welterweight division before a fight with him ever actually takes place. But we can definitely talk about what's next for Jorge Masvidal.
We can definitely talk about what's next for him. Uh, he wants McGregor. I mean, he did call out Usman too, but he wants McGregor. He wants that fight. I don't know what weight class they'd fight in. Uh, I think if I had to bet on this fight, I say Jorge pieces him up. I really do. I think Jorge does to Connor what Nate did to Connor, but worse. I think Jorge has the same, if not a better chin than Nate Diaz. He can take a shot, and I think he, he has more power in his hands than Nate Diaz. He's a little bit faster than Nate Diaz. I think Connor gets KO'd by Jorge. I think it's a terrible, terrible matchup for Connor. Um, because Jorge can take this ground anywhere he wants, but he doesn't, he's not going to take it to the ground if he fights Connor. That fight's staying on the feet, and I don't think that, uh, Connor's power translates even to lightweight the way his power is at featherweight. So, what are you going to do? Go up to welterweight to fight Jorge Masvidal? Nah, man. Uh, Jorge by KO in that fight, if it ever happens, they're just different levels, different power. Um, I, I really wouldn't bet against Masvidal against anyone. But, I mean, Usman's a different beast. It's hard to tell what Usman you'd get fighting Masvidal because of the injuries, the double hernia that Usman's recovering from. So, you know, even Masvidal versus Woodley would be a fun fight. Masvidal versus Woodley. I mean, there's no complaints from anyone there, I think. But you got to give this man what he deserves. And I think whatever fight Jorge wants, you give him. And if he doesn't want Woodley specifically, if he wants Usman, then give him Usman. If he wants Connor, then pay Connor what Connor needs in order to get in there with Masvidal. But I don't think Connor would ever take that fight. Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' opinions about it on Twitter. Hit me up. But I don't think that fight ever happens. That's just nightmare matchup for Connor, in my opinion. I'm not taking any of his skills away. Connors I think he's a great boxer but there's levels to this game and there always has been and uh Jorge Masvidal is just too beast he's just way too beast for Connor so I don't want to see that fight for either of those guys I do want to see Masvidal take on Woodley I do want to see Masvidal get paid accordingly uh, I would not be mad at Masvidal versus Usman either if I think that that's what they're probably gonna do if uh, we'll see where Usman's at I don't know it really depends. But Jorge's fresh, man. He had a full training camp and did that in, whatever, five seconds. Didn't get hit. Waste of Vaseline on his face. So, they got to get Jorge in there ASAP. Pay him accordingly. Get him back in there. Get him a good fight. I don't know. Hit me up on Twitter on, on what you guys see next for Jorge. What you guys want to see for him, too. Uh, The next fight was... Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. I mean, yeah. I saw the fight kind of going that way. Uh, I definitely thought Holly was going to be able to take it to a decision if she if she really played her cards right. But uh, it just shows how good Nunes was. I mean, Nunes, Holly Holm, Holly. So, damn, that was a vicious head kick knockout. Um I don't know, man. I know Henry Cejudo called out Amanda Nunes. I wouldn't be mad at that matchup at this point. Amanda is the greatest fighter as a female in the UFC of all time. It's not even close. It's really not even close. Um, I don't know what they do next for Amanda. The Cyborg rematch. uh, Henry Cejudo. I mean, I don't know. Just There's not enough good things I could say about Nunes at this point. She's truly 
the greatest female fighter of all time. Not, no argument. And what was impressive is that she got Holly with a head kick. No one expected that. So it just shows how versatile her game is, you know? Uh, and then John Jones versus Tiago Santos. Uh, look, so I was there. I did not really see how Santos won that fight. Like, a lot of people are saying that Santos won that fight. I don't really see that. I know that there was moments where John wasn't in control of the fight. But to say Santos beat the champ uh, is just wrong. But if he had two healthy knees, but the obviously it's like if he had two healthy knees, which he didn't, full towards MCL, PCL, ACL, meniscus. I mean, like his, I don't even know how he was standing up in there, let alone using that same leg to throw head kicks at John Jones, the greatest fighter of all time. I have no idea. Super, super impressive. Tiago Santos, you're that good, man. Uh, I hope they run it back. And I think that's, they should. And I think that the line, the line would be much closer, the betting line. I think uh, for the first time in John's career, we'd see him at like a minus 250, minus 300. We'd, we wouldn't see him as high as a six or 700 against Tiago. Um, you know, my opinion on John right now is like, he's, he's just fighting defensively, man. Like we're seeing like a Floyd Mayweather-esque era of the John John. Like we, okay, when Floyd first started out, like he was finishing guys. He was a killer. Floyd would see opportunities. He would take them. He'd finish his fights. John was doing that. But now he's playing that like Floyd Mayweather defensive fight. Like right now, you're not really going to see Mayweather go out there and finish guys. You're just not. And that's what we're going to see from now on, I think. I think John's going to play the more defensive fighter. He doesn't really have to prove that he can finish guys. He's done it many a time. So... Um, that's kind of what it reminded me of is like Floyd Mayweather going out there doing his thing and just winning and just winning. And I think that's what John's going to do from now on. I don't think we're going to see the John Jones that finishes everyone. I think his fights are going to be more boring now. We're not going to see a huge showcase of his skills. It's going to be, he's just going to be using just enough energy to win, uh, which kind of sucks, but that's what it is. Um, Damn, so I met this really cool guy, Julio. Uh, I'm going to get him on the podcast, hopefully like next week or the week after. I met him at the weigh-ins, and he's like, yo, man, you got to go to the uh, Chaos Nightclub UFC after party uh, after the fights on Saturday. You got to go. I'm like, done. So I go, and I was socializing with some people. I started talking to this girl that was there. And she was able to, I guess the, the UFC creative director was there and he thought this girl was cute. So he pulls her in a VIP and she's like, yo, can I bring this dude inside that I'm friends with? Whatever. I was like, cool. We're friends. Uh, I get put into VIP and I'm literally now at the same table getting bottle service with Anthony Smith. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, his brother Evan, Chris Weidman blew me a kiss. Uh, I did blow him one first, but yes, he did blow me one back. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Tito Ortiz, Tito Ortiz wouldn't cheers at me for whatever reason. 
I tried cheersing my glass with him a couple times and he would just look at me. Uh, which is fine, bro. I get it. Like, it's all good. But, uh, you know, Wonder Boy, super, super, super friendly guy. Chris Weidman, just the same. Uh, and then I was chatting with Evan on Twitter, his brother, a little bit. Um, Wonder Boy's brother. And uh, so next time there's a pay-per-view in Vegas, guess who's getting me onto that podium to showcase my dance moves? Evan's going to pull me on there. He told me, I'm in. And if you guys want to see a couple videos of Tito Ortiz and Wonder Boy dancing in the club, uh, you can go to the UFC Unwrapped Twitter and look through my media, and, and you'll see the video there. That was truly one of the best nights I've ever experienced in my life. You know, like, I went to Vegas completely alone, just needed to get away, and then just socializing, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I'm, like, at the same table as, like, all these guys. Um, a lot of my favorite fighters, so that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life, and I'm super thankful that I went to Vegas. Um, I did get some questions from you guys on Twitter, so I'm going to try to get into those. Um, honestly, like it means the world to me that you guys are so good about reaching out to me on Twitter and being consistent and asking me questions. You guys give me reasons to stay motivated to do this podcast and I try to be engaged with you guys as much as possible too. So I want to start off with the the first question. It's from at cousins underscore bookie. Uh, his question is, where does John Jones go from here? It seems as if a move up to heavyweight is almost determined at this point. Is that the right move? Uh, I don't know if John would even want to move up to heavyweight. I mean, for the right paycheck, he might. But I'm kind of down to see John go like 30-0. and 0, 30-0. and 0. I mean, technically, he has that one loss, whatever. But like right now, he's 25-1. and 1. I want to see him go like 30-1. and 1. I want to see him go like 32-1. and 1. Uh, I think there are some tough competition. And before I see him go jeopardize everything at heavyweight, I wouldn't mind seeing him up against a guy like... Um, Johnny Walker. I wouldn't mind seeing seeing him fight Tiago Santos next. I do want to see how he matches up with that Alexander Rakic guy too. Like there's a lot of good competition that aren't in the top three or four. I light heavyweight for John. So I don't know. If I had to choose, I'd say stay at light heavyweight for a little bit. Um just keep just keep finishing people, John. Keep winning your fights. Um if that heavyweight fight is meant to happen, it will. And I think after DC versus Stipe 2, the rematch, uh, we'll have a more clear understanding of what's next for John. Uh, the next fight, not the next fight, the next question that I got was from Ryan Abbott. So his his handle, damn bro, you got to change this handle, uh, at Ryan ABB 36894457. Bro, you got to change that. Uh, touch on the recent popular use of flying knees. And is this maybe the new neutralizing technique against wrestlers? Okay. Um, that flying knee technique works. It just does on wrestlers. And it's worked more than once. We've seen many examples of how this has worked. Um, look, if a guy gets flying knee once, who's a wrestler... 
hopefully he's going to learn from it and have it not happen again. But that seems to be the recipe to the for the striker versus wrestler dilemma. Like, that's the recipe to stop the, the wrestler. That's it. That's the recipe. The flying knee. Um, it's just, are you going to land it the way Jorge Masvidal did every time? Definitely not. And most of the times, like, there's a fight with Brad Pickett where he, sh- he neutralized the flying knee. Some guy did a flying knee on him. And Brad was able to wrap his arms around the legs midair and take the guy to the ground. So there's a lot of risk involved in that flying knee as well. But is it the most effective way to KO a wrestler? Uh, Yeah, because both your guys' momentums are going into that super hard part of the body, the knee. Uh, Let's see. The next question is from Nabi Podcast. So N-A-H-H-B Podcast. His question is, uh, let's see. He says, damn it, I wish I saw this. Would have said, bring up how Herb needs to be let go. If you heard my last episode, I was pissed at him with that Rockhold fight. And I'm the farthest thing from a Rockhold fan. But he's fucked up so many fights the last few years. Big ones too. Um, Dude, honestly, like it's such a hard job to be a ref. It really is. And you try to use your best judgment. And when you're in there, there's, it's hard. Like these guys aren't fighters. They're not as explosive as the fighters to get from one side of the octagon to the other. And you can't be right next to these two massive dudes fighting each other, throwing arms and legs. Like you got to give them space. And sometimes you see like flatline KOs happen, like where the guy's KO'd before he even hits the ground. Um, it's hard for the ref to get in there and stop it in time. But I see what you're saying, dude. There's a lot of times where Herb is let. Uh, fights go way too long or he's prematurely stopped them it's just the name of the game bro it really is it's like a basketball game like when the coaches and the players are like oh the refs the refs fault that's why we lost the game i mean dude they're just part of the game they just are at that point if they're necessary they're part of the game and uh, unfortunately like the refs their errors are part of the ufc game and we just kind of have to deal with it i still think herb dean is one of the best there is Because if you want to see some shitty refs, I mean, you can find some real shitty refs in other organizations too. But like, I don't know, man. Should they let Herb go? I don't think so. But I see and understand 100% where you're coming from with his inconsistency. And yeah, no one wants to see fighters take more damage than they need to. And no one wants to see fights stopped prematurely. So because of that controversy that comes with it, you know. So I get it. I'm I'm not like completely against you, but it's just e- a lot easier said than done. That kind of job. Uh, the next question is from MMA underscore by. So MMA underscore by. His question is: Who should Jan Blockwicks fight next, and who should be next for Ricky Simon if he wins? Um, what I want to see next for Jan is. Maybe Anthony Smith. I think that'd be a really fun fight. Uh, it's just hard to tell. I need to see the how the rest of the light heavyweight division kind of plays itself out. But Jan has got to go up from here. Um, I don't know, man. Like, Reyes, but I think Reyes has a fight booked. Anthony Smith might be the fight. I don't know. Good question. You should let me know who you want to see him fight next. Uh, I really like that question. I'm curious what you guys think about it too. 
And then who should Ricky Simon fight next? So uh, Ricky fights on this card tomorrow. So he's fighting Uriah Faber. He's ranked 15th right now as Ricky. Uh, if he wins, depending what kind of fashion, uh, you know, I was, I don't know. I want to see Song Yudong move up in rankings and fight a guy above him, like John Dodson or Rob Font. But if Ricky beats Uriah Faber, who's not even on the rankings right now, it's still a notable win. I guess you could see Ricky Simon fight Thomas Almeida or uh, Song Yudong. But even Ricky Simon versus John Dodson would be a fun fight too. Uh, good question, man. Uh, Ricky's a scrapper, so he'd be fun against... Uh, I think Thomas Almeida versus Ricky would be fireworks. Um, but Song Yudong, who could put away anyone with one shot, that'd be a really fun fight for a guy who likes to scrap like Ricky. So if rankings didn't matter, I could I would say put Song Yudong against Ricky Simon next. Thanks for that question, man. Okay, the next question is from at Sean S-A-F-K. So S-H-A-W-N-S-A-F-K. He says, should we consider Jones officially beaten? Um, no. No. I mean, he's beatable. But I don't think that Santos actually beat Jones. I really don't. Um, maybe I gotta go watch that fight again without the commentary or whatever, but I was there live with no commentary, and I think Santos had his successes with Jones, with Jones, but he never, like, beat the champ, so, nah. Uh, the next question is from at Giggsy G18, so G-I-G-G-S-Y-G-1-8. His question is, do you see anybody beating Usman at either welterweight or I think he's asking for lightweight by LW? Um, I don't think Usman's ever going to go down to lightweight. So I think that's off the table. Um, I'd rather much see Kamaru go up to, to middleweight. And I can see if, if, uh, if Usman went up to middleweight, I think there's a handful of guys who would be really tough fights for him like... I think even Chris Weidman would be a super tough fight for Kamaru Usman. Um, I mean, what? Gastelum, which Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero. There's a lot of guys who would be problems at middleweight for Kamaru. At welterweight, do I see anyone beating Usman? Uh, no. I think if Covington and Usman fought... I think Usman just does everything a little bit better than Covington. Uh, I think his cardio's... I mean, they both are cardio machines, but I think Usman would win by a unanimous or a split decision against Covington. I'm not really interested in seeing the Woodley rematch right now. Um, if Masvidal gets that title shot and, fight, and fights Usman, it's tough because Usman's not a guy who's going to let you just flying knee him. So they they have different approaches in the way they fight. I think it'd be a really good fight, actually, Usman versus Masvidal. And I think it'd be a lot closer than what people think. I think that there's holes in Usman's striking game. Um, but that kind of smothering wrestling where Usman doesn't really leave holes in his wrestling either, uh, it's tough, man. Um, I don't really want to talk about lightweight because I don't see Usman going there. But if someone from lightweight had to go up to welterweight and fight... 
Um, I think Khabib would be kind of a problem for Usman, to be completely honest with you. Even Tony Ferguson. But uh, those would be some fun fights, man. Khabib versus Usman or Ferguson versus Usman at welterweight. But yeah, at welterweight, I think the closest fights would be Covington and Masvidal. But I think Usman beats both of them when he's healthy. And uh, yeah, at middleweight, there's a handful of guys that would give Usman problems, I think. But it's hard to count Usman out. I mean, the dude's really, really good. So yeah, man, we'll see. Uh, the next question is from at Goku Vegeta 65X. His question is, who do you think will win between Usman or Masvidal? So yeah, I kind of just answered that. Um, I think Usman would win via decision, like a split decision probably, because I think Jorge would would really expose Usman on the feet and. Masvidal's um his takedown defense is really underrated and his ground game is really underrated and his stand up is on point. So I don't know man, I think Usman uh would probably edge him out unless Masvidal tagged him early. Like if if Masvidal can stuff a couple takedowns and land a couple combos on Usman, like realistically we'd see like a second round TKO by Masvidal, honestly. Um the next question is from at S-A-G-I-T-A-R-I-U Shuda. I think you pronounce it at Sagittariu Shuda. His question is, I'd love to see what y'all think about Rockhold's situation. Shit ain't looking pretty. What do you think about his next move or a possible matchup? Uh, Yeah, dude, I think it's time for Rockhold to hang him up, to be honest. And I don't think that's being dramatic at all. Um, or he's got to take some time off, heal his jaw, and then don't get a ranked guy that high. Get like a Misha Kirkinov or a, like a Shogun, like someone to build something off of, like a Glover Teixeira. Like you don't need to be fighting these crazy high ranked guys who are absolute killers, like in your first fight up. So Unless he's down to take like a year off, heal himself, come back and take like a guy ranked like 14th or 15th at the time. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Um, the next question is from at Kairos underscore Bodley. So at K-A-I-R-O-S underscore B-O-D-L-E-Y. His question is, are people so eager to get on the lad hype train that they're looking past GDR? 100%. Um... I think GDR just completely pieces up Aspen, lad. I really do. GDR, she's not a likable person, especially after her fight with home. But, you know, that's no reason to count her out of a future bout because of how the last one went. So, yeah, I think I think GDR really, really pieces up Aspen, lad. That's just my opinion. Um, and what's crazy, actually, is we're going to get into this when I call uh, Zan Bando up, but Jermaine Durandamy, she's a plus 115, so if anyone's trying to flip their money, that's a really good underdog bet to take. If Aspen can come show us what's up, like, that would be sick, but no, I think GDR, um, I mean, the woman has, like, multiple Muay Thai world championships, for God's sake. Don't count her out just because she's not likable. I got, I got Jermaine in that fight for sure. 
Uh, the next question is from at Doughboy Style ninety seven. He says, "Let's say Jones and Santos rematch. In my opinion, I think Jones would switch it up and use more clinch and takedowns, and even possibly win by submission. Do you think it would be more dominant of a win, or would Jones struggle with him on the ground?" Uh, no, I think you're right. I think Jones would definitely try to take it to the ground. Um, if if Jones came out with his killer instinct rather than trying to be more of like that Floyd Mayweather defensive type of guy right now. Uh yeah, we'd see we'd see Santos on his back taking a lot of damage early in the fight. But I don't know. There's a reason why Jones didn't take him down in this fight. So I don't know. It, it it's weird. It's we didn't even see like one takedown attempt from Jones. So I'm not really sure like how the rematch would go because clearly Jones is a uh, he felt the power of Santos and he didn't like it. But yeah, Jones would have to take him down, I think. I think he would have to make more of a statement next time around. If it went to the judges' scorecards twice and was close twice, that wouldn't really make Jones look that good. And it would make Santos actually look much better. The next question is from at Sentient Ape. So it's at S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T Ape. He says, John Jones didn't look as dominant as one might expect. Didn't wrestle an injured opponent. Didn't grapple a striking specialist. Do you think he's starting to decline? Or has he changed his strategy as he ages? Perhaps being more cautious. Yeah, man. So this this touches up on uh, how I'm saying like he's, he's coming out with that Floyd Mayweather vibe now. Like he's at that age now. He, and he's trying to stack his legacy and be that defensive, creative, unbeatable fighter. Like you don't see Mayweather go out there and stop guys anymore. I mean, besides McGregor, but you don't see him go out there and, and look for that killer instinct anymore. He's he's just there to win and do enough to win and just make you miss. And um, I think that's what we're seeing from Jones now. I think we're just seeing Jones go out there, take less risk, do enough to win the fights. And that's it. So, yeah, it's a completely different change in strategy. He's not really going out there to be the same killer he used to be. Uh, the next question is from... At in Babcock, I trust. Yeah, in Babcock, I trust. His question is, how do you see Masvidal versus Usman playing out? Or would you give Covington a shot if he beats Robbie and make Masvidal wait? Is there anyone more deserving of a shot at Johnny Bones Jones than Johnny Walker? Thanks. Okay, great questions, man. Um, Yeah, I touched up on a little bit of these already, so... Yeah, if I, if I had to see Masvidal and Usman fight, um, I got Usman by by split decision, I think. Um, could be unanimous depending how much Usman's wrestling is implemented. But, yo, Masvidal is a... Uh, damn. I just can't underestimate him now. His ground game is... He does have ground game. He does have wrestling. Um, he does have good takedown defense. It's not on Usman's level, obviously, but... Because of how incomparable the striking game of Masvidal and Usman are, uh, it would be a lot closer of a fight than people think. And it might even be worth, depending what the odds are, to put a couple bucks on Masvidal to win by TKO. Because he he does get hit. We saw Woodley hit Usman a, a bunch of times. So I think Jorge gets more shots off with a lot of power than Woodley does in one power shot. 
So I think we'd see, like, in the same amount of time we saw Woodley land, like, one shot on Usman, we'd see Masvidal land a couple combos on Usman. And uh, I could see that resulting in a TKO, like, t second or third round for Masvidal. Um, that's a really freaking close fight. And let's see. Or would I give the title shot to Covington if he beats Lawler? Um, it's really hard to say because I'm not really sure what fashion Colby would beat Lawler in. It really depends on that, how close of a fight it is. But, you know, at that point, it's like if Covington beats Lawler, then I mean, Lawler's ranked 10 right now and Covington's ranked two. So I don't know if a win over Lawler necessarily merits a, a title shot. But the fact that Colby was the, the interim champ might merit it even more. I don't know. I could see, even if Colby beats Lawler, I can really see them setting up uh, Covington versus Woodley and giving Masvidal the first title shot. And then is there anyone more deserving of a title shot than John Jones, or at John Jones, than Johnny Walker? Uh, yeah, I think, man. I think Jan. I think Jan Blockwicks. I mean, who else, who else really are you going to give him right now? I want to see Johnny Walker, who's ranked 12th, uh, get a couple more wins before he gets that title shot because there's no reason to throw him to Jones yet. We're still seeing him build up. And there also is another guy, Alexander Rakic, that just KO'd Manawa in devastating fashion. Um, I, I want to see both those guys kind of fight for that spot to fight Jones. But I think right now, um, at at number five, Jan is the guy to get the, the title shot, man. Even though his win was over Rockhold, the way he did it, I think, merits the next title shot in this predicament that we have the light heavyweight division in. Uh, we have another question from at Artem Goat OV. His question is, if Ryan Hall wins at the weekend, how do you think he matches up against Neiman Gracie at 145? I think that matchup would be so sick. Um, yeah, dude, if Ryan Hall wins... If he beats Darren Elkins, this is a huge, huge, huge step up, by the way, in competition for Ryan Hall. And Ryan is a, he's a favorite in this fight to beat Darren Elkins. But we're talking about a guy who's beaten, like, literally the shadow of Gray Maynard, the ghost of BJ Penn. And then, I mean, he did beat the greatest of all time in Artem Lobov. But then, like, okay, like, that is not a stacked resume. And Darren Elkins has ridiculous wrestling, ridiculous wrestling, and he fights way higher ranked competition than what Ryan's doing. So do not count Elkins out in this fight. And as far as who would want to see him next, like if we'd, if we'd want to see him take on a guy like, what was it, Neiman Gracie at 145? It's hard to tell because I think Darren Elkins is is ranked, isn't he? Um, let's see. Am I tripping? Okay, yeah, I don't know. I guess he's not. And neither is Ryan Hall. Um, yeah, I guess, dude. I guess we're seeing, uh, I think Neiman has a, a fight booked already against Cub Swanson, right? Um, it would just be a jiu-jitsu match. That's really what we'd see there. It would just be on the ground. 
Um, I think the hardcore fans would love it. I think the casuals would would uh, hopefully get more expo exposed to the sport of jujitsu jiu and give it some appreciation. But I'm not sure if uh, I don't know. They could sell it. Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, but I think Ryan wants to break the rankings. If he beats a guy like Elkins, then um, you got to get him in there with a guy like Ricardo Lamas or Shane Burgos or even Arnold Allen, for that matter. Uh, as far as who wins that fight, I mean, I mean, damn, who knows? That would be a comp literally the odds would be minus one ten for both of them. So, um, let's see. So the next question is from at Anderson Saint Pierre. So it's at Anderson S T P I E R, and the number one. His question is, what was your opinion of Jorge's knee? Fluke or perfectly executed plan? A hundred percent perfectly executed plan, especially after seeing that video from uh, Mike Brown posted that video of Jorge practicing that exact knee. Um, that was far from a fluke. That was just a perfectly executed game plan, and it resulted in the greatest knockout of all time, in my opinion. Um, not named Yair Rodriguez versus Korean Zombie. I think those are tied for each other. But yeah, no, that was just perfect, perfect freaking game plan and execution from an experienced veteran in Jorge Masvidal. And uh, the next question is from... Oh, this is my buddy that I met him. I met this guy at the Wayans in Vegas. What's up, Kevin? Uh, his handle's at Kev the Kaiser. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? So... At K-E-V, the K-A-I-S-E-R. His question is, how do you think the Jones versus Santos fight goes if Santos hadn't torn everything you possibly can tear in his left knee in round one? Um, I think we'd see Jones be forcing the fight to the ground once the pressure started to increase from Santos. But the point is, it didn't go that way. Like His knee did get torn up, and it was for a reason. It was all those kicks to the leg. Uh, to the side of the knee from Jones. I mean, you can't just take that out of consideration. Like, a lot of Jones's game plan was to dismantle that leg, and he did it perfectly. So to say, like, how would it go if his leg wasn't hurt? I mean, it's like saying, like, well, then where do you compensate that other those strikes then? Like, if he wasn't throwing leg kicks during that time and attacking the knee, then, like, he must have been punching him in the face or kicking him in the head. So, like, it's hard to think about the fight that way. But let's say if they rematched and um, Santos' leg was fine and Jones couldn't find success in hurting the knee, then I think Santos would have a lot more success on the feet and he would attack Jones a lot more. But then Jones would have had to take the fight to the ground at that point and stop it on the ground. Uh, but it's hard. It's all speculation at this point. Um, all right, guys. I'm gonna We're going to do a quick breakdown. I'm going to call Zan Bando up right now. And we're going to do a quick breakdown of the fight night this weekend. This dude's super intelligent, super smart, knows his shit. So whatever he says um, usually goes, man. So I'm going I'm to call him up right now. Hello. Zan, what's going on, bro? How's it going? Good. Everything's good. Um, I just recorded most of the podcast right now. I did the recap for 239, answered some questions uh, from people on Twitter. So uh, 
the sh the floor is yours, bro. We're gonna break down this fight night card coming up tomorrow. Um, what fight do you want to start at? I, I kind of wanted to put a little bit light on the Benito Lopez versus Vince Morales fight. Um, well, the thing is, because I'm covering it for fan side, I can't make a pick, but I can tell you the fight will be awesome. That's for sure. Okay, fair. So, let's. Uh, can we talk about Darren Elkins versus Ryan Hall? Yes, we can. All right, let's go for it. So, tell me, what do you think? Well, Ryan Hall's ground game is pretty good, and Darren Elkins has a wealth of experience in the UFC. His most memorable fight being against Mursad Bektik, uh, who was also on this card. He's fighting Josh Emmett, and um, that's a fight. Uh, the um, uh, the Ryan Hall fight, I think, is a fight that people are overlooking, and it's a fight that I'm really excited about. We're really the ground specialist versus really the wrestler in Elkins, and uh, this could be a um, this could be this could be one of those fights where it could be a flip of a coin. I don't I don't I don't I don't know what it's making that one, but I remember uh, if I am correct, isn't um, isn't Elk isn't Elkins the favorite? Elkins is actually a slight underdog. That's that's quite unbelievable. Considering he has slightly more experience right. in Hall, who I think is in his mid twenties, and his biggest win was against BJ Penn. That's exactly so that's, what I'm saying. Be, right now, the odds the right for the the odds for this fight right now is Darren Elkins at plus one hundred five and Ryan Hall at minus one thirty five. Interesting. So I don't. Well, no, but I think overall, though, the card itself is a card that I think people are overlooking. The fights are pretty decent. I'm looking at this overall. whole card right now. Yeah, it's actually, like, not a bad card, huh? Mm-hmm. So, what's your official pick? Uh, For the Ryan Hall-Garen Elkins fight, I have Hall by second-round submission. They'll probably be, like, an armbar or heel hook or something. Okay, so, so you think he'll catch him? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, let's talk about Andre Feely versus Shaman Moraes. What do you think of What do you think of this fight? I haven't seen enough of Moraes to really comment on his skill set, but Andre Feely always brings it. So yeah, he's we'll he's a, he's a scrapper for sure. I think this is actually going to be um, this might be fight of the night in my opinion. I think both these guys are going to come out there and scrap. I know uh, Feely likes to scrap, and that's uh, Shaman Moraes' style as well. It's really just about who's the more active guy. So I'm I'm personally taking Marais by split decision on this one. And uh the odds the odds on this one would have it let's see. Shaman Marais is actually the dog. He's a plus one hundred and Feely's a minus one thirty, which makes sense. But I think Shaman's coming up. I think uh to not count this guy out right now. Interesting. Um. Well, um. I would say I would say Feely, based on experience, how many fights does Moraes have in the UFC so far? In the UFC, I can find that out for you. But from what I've seen from him, I've watched a couple of his. I know it's more than two. Um. Let's see. One, two, three, four. 
and he's won two of them. So he actually fought uh he fought Zabit, lost to him by submission in 2017, and then beat two guys, Matt Sales and Julio Ars, and then uh lost okay. his last fight by decision. Well Matt Sales is off looking for a fight. That's not a that's not a bad guy the, the, um, that's not a bad guy to go up against. Over although that seems like a decent resume so far for him. That doesn't that doesn't seem that bad. Right, that's yeah, I agree with you. So who's your pick? Let's see. Um, that's a great. That's a great question. I would probably. Let's see. I would have to go with. Um, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I actually <laughs> think that that's one of those fights where it's a queen flip, also. Well, at least we can count on it being uh, probably a fight of the night, honestly. But I, I wanna... would have to take um, I would have to take Feely though, because I think I think experience would trump that. Yeah, I mean, I had Feely to beat Calvin Cater when they fought, and I got proved wrong big time. So it really depends um, how hungry Shaman Moraes Mar- is. But you're right, dude. It's kind of a pick 'em here. Um. I really want to jump up to the Josh Emmett versus Mursad Bektik fight. If you don't I mind. I actually think this is the best fight in the whole card. Me too. I really am. Hundred percent. Yeah, it should be co-maining. I know, I know, but but the reason why they have favor is the co-main is because he's from California and they want and they want people to watch it. So that, that that's why. Right. Damn. I mean, him, and they're giving. And they're giving him Ricky Simon, who's like a young prospect, he's like twenty four or something. This who's is a like beast Faber's too. return fight. They're supposed to be giving him something easy. Yeah. So, but I mean, I don't think um, so. Well, this fight with Josh Emmett and Mursad Bektik, I think, is a lot closer than what people think. Um, I agree. I I mean, the last fight with Josh Emmett was against Michael Johnson, and we saw how that played out. It was a it was a pretty close fight. Johnson seemed to have his number on the feet for a while. But then um, we saw that, you know, late in that third round, Emmett was able to come back with that KO. And so we know his power gets carried into the deeper rounds, you know. And then um, a guy like Mursad Bektik, I mean, his only loss is to Darren Elkins, who he was beating the ass off De- of Derek Elkins or Darren Elkins. Um, and then I gassed and got KO'd, but then he came back with a... A punch to the body KO over um, Gato Fredo Castro, and then also beat Ricardo Lamas by split decision too. Um, yeah, that, that that split decision winning against Lamas was a very exciting fight. Yeah, it was. I don't know, man. I I probably would have to take Emmett in this fight to be honest. Yeah, because Emmett Emmett is power. He can clip you with anything. Right. So, and Bechtel's got some pretty decent wrestling. Um, but he can gas out kind of easily, though. I mean, his only his only loss, of course, was the Elkins in a very epic fight. He has a thirteen and one record, and it's fourteen and two. It's a very it's a very evenly matched fight. In other way, this is one of the this is one of those fights where it could be like um, where it could be like whoever wins jumps in the line into that top ten 
top five upper echelons where late 2020, early 2021, we could be seeing either one of these guys fight for a world championship. So this is a really important fight. So what's next for the winner of this fight? Well, let me see. If you look at the current featherweight rankings right now, right, you have you have Max Holloway fighting Frankie Edgar in a couple of weeks. And then, let me see. I'm pulling him up. I'm I mean, right, now, right, right now. now we got Emmett. He's ranked 10th. And Mursad is ranked 12th. So this is an important crosswords fight. Whoever wins, I think whoever wins. I think whoever wins this fight is gonna fight a guy like uh like Yair Rodriguez. That would be interesting. Do you think that whoever do you think that Volkanovski is next in line for the winner of Edgar and Holloway? Oh yeah. Top? Yeah, done deal for sure. But uh, at the presser. Um, last weekend, Dana White did get pretty close to confirming that we'd see Yair Rodriguez fight Brian Ortega. Yeah, which is a fight that I'd love to see. Same. So, um, it really depends. I mean, I don't know. The winner of this fight might even get Jose Aldo. Interesting. Considering that Aldo just lost to Volkanovski in, uh, I think it was Rio a few months ago. Right? Right. So, mm, there's a lot of interesting possibilities. Yeah. And uh, so, Emmett's the underdog in this fight. He's a plus 125. And then we have, uh, let's see, where's he at? Bectic is a minus 155. You agree with the odds? Uh, no, I actually, going in, not knowing anything about the odds of that particular fight, that Emmett would be the favorite, actually. Yeah, or else I would at least think it was a it was a pick 'em. Um, a fight that we never touched upon was Juliana Pena versus Nico Montano. Do you think this is Montano's biggest fight, considering that she got stripped of her flyweight championship for missing weight just before UFC two twenty eight? Do you think this is one of those fights where Montano wants to get her name back in the upper echelon of the flyweight rankings in the division that's just being totally dominated by Valentina Shevchenko. She has to. She has to win this fight. Oh, you know what I just uh, what I just read right now, by the way? Um, Khalil Roundtree is fighting Ion Kutilaba uh, UFC Copenhagen September 28th. Yeah, that was reported like I think an hour and a half ago for a uh, for uh, Farnan Hoon for UFC News Alerts was the first to report that. So damn, yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. I just I just okay. read that right now. That's a really interesting fight. Sorry, I didn't mean to deflect off of the Nico Montano, you're, you're but good. You're good. yeah, you're I just good. thought that was worth mentioning too. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely, Nico Montano has to win this fight. Um, if not, it's going to be really hard for her to. I mean, what would really be next for her if she lost? For real. Well, you could, well, you could argue that this is a fight where if she loses, she could get cut. Exactly. I agree. And she's coming into this fight a, a, a one, what is it, plus 155 underdog. Uh-huh. So, 
I don't know. What's your prediction for the card? What's your prediction for that fight? Well, probably um, if, if Pena if Pena uses wrestling, this fight could get this fight could get interesting really fast. I think that if Pena makes it a long fight, she can easily win a decision. But if but if Montano keeps it on the feet, I think Montano could knock her out. So it's a fantastic fight. It's a fight where I think it's a bigger fight for Montano. And it is for Pena because Pena is nothing to lose. Yeah, but I mean, we do need to see Pena get another win too. Which, so it, I think I think it affects both of them. I, I don't know about affects them both equally, but they both need this win for their own reasons. You know, like um, Pena just lost to Shevchenko. So if she's going to be losing to Shevchenko and then her very next fight losing to Nico Montano, it's... Uh, then she has to kind of really climb the ladder. She's already gone through the likes of Jessica I and Kat Zingano to get where she is. Right, and that whole thing about Kat Zingano was for it's for another story because there's a lot of debate now as to like what's next for Nunez and all that. But yeah, I totally, I totally can see what you're saying. What do we think of the Wimpen Hasuza versus Brianna Van Buren fight? Um, let me see. Oh, you're going back to the early prelims, huh? I am, yeah. Um, I think Souza wins this by submission. I know, um, I know Brianna Van Buren. She's she's had a lot more experience and she's been more active. I think she's already fought like four times this year or something ridiculous. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. But uh, I think people are counting out Susan in this fight. I think that she can she can pull off a submission in this fight. Interesting. Um, I haven't seen enough of them. I haven't seen enough of them to make a really knowledgeable pick. But Van Buren is staying really active, and this is her fourth fight on the calendar. And then that means that she might be the fresher fighter. She might not. Um, another fight that I don't know could seem intriguing is. John Awan versus Mike Rodriguez. That's the main event of the early prelims, and I think I think this is a fight where Awan could really prove himself, considering that Rodriguez is slightly a bit more experienced than Awan. Well, yeah, he's coming in at a plus three thirty underdog in this fight too, so he has a lot to prove for himself. I mean, I agree with you too. I'm pulling up his stats right now. Um, let's see. Yeah, man, like thirteen and five going up against ten and three. Mike Rodriguez. He has only been submitted and lost the decision. Um, neither guy has like super impressive resumes as far as like names go. If you're looking for names, but he did lose um, his second to last fight by submission, and then won his last one by second round TKO. But it is his UFC debut, I believe. Um, and then Mike. And this is crazy. And sorry to interrupt. No, it's all this good. This is crazy because um, I don't know if you know this, but Awan is replacing longtime UFC veteran John Gavante as like eleven days notice. So. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. It's it, yeah, it's not an easy first fight for him. <laughs> that's for. Yeah, and it, I mean, the guy he's going up against, Mike Rodriguez, um, is also a KO artist. 
So this fight's gonna be... It's probably gonna stay on the feet, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a first-round finish. But to be honest with you, I gotta go... Based, based off what I'm seeing, I gotta go with Mike. Mm -hmm, I would agree. Also, um, I didn't watch this fight, but supposedly, according to this article from MMA, MMA Fighting, um, it's saying how Juan competed on the Brazilian edition last year of the Dana White Contender Series, and he and he lost by second round submission, and then he went back to the regional circuit, knocked out Alexandre Silva at future fighting championships. And then he just signed with the UFC, and he's won five out of his last six. So I think he's coming in with a lot of momentum. But of course, of course, future fighting championships is not the ultimate fighting championship. And I'm sure that there's a lot of pressure taking this fight on under two weeks now, just against a against a pretty talented guy in Rodriguez. So it's 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 a huge fight. It's a huge fight for Juan, and, and it's a fight that. Um, it's a fight that I would completely stay away from because I don't know what Alon is going to show up. If it's going to be the Alon that lost by second round submission a year ago, or if it's going to be the Alon that just won his last fight. So, well, this is the we'll thing: see. is considering considering these guys are um, are knockout artists and are going to most likely keep the fight standing. I right. I don't think the scare for the submission is there from either guy. I think it's just about who catches who first. And both guys are showing on their on their resumes. I mean, you know, he has um let's see. So John Allen has has nine so seventy percent of his wins are by KO. So that's that's a crazy and then and then it's eighty percent by KO for Mike Rodriguez. So that means that this fight isn't going to the ground at all, just based on those statistics alone. It, it, there, there's no win. Right. I agree. Damn, that's a that's, that's a one for everyone to keep their eye on. Thanks for bringing that one up. That's a really that's a, that's a really good main event on the early prelims. It is that's one that I'm now pretty darn excited about. <laughs> yeah, at light heavyweight uh, too. Yeah, and they need and they need uh, they need a deeper pool light heavyweights too. You know, that's a, that's a division that's been hurting for years, but he's now kind of um, on the up and up with Alexander Raytick and Johnny Walker. So we'll see what we'll see what some of these, these other guys can do as they break into the top 15. I think besides the Emmett-Darkic fight, I think that this GDR-Aspen-Lad fight in the main event is the biggest fight of Aspen-Lad's career. And I think if Aspen-Lad can dominate GDR, which I hope she does, I think that I think that Aspen Ladd could be the next big star out of Ireland. Um, I've always enjoyed watching Aspen Ladd fight, and I've always enjoyed her social media presence. I think it's pretty darn awesome. I've never really been a fan of GDR, just after what she did after she quote-unquote beat a Holly Holm, even though I don't think she did. I just feel like she was very disrespectful. She was a class champion when she was champion. I'm thankful she, I'm thankful she got stripped, and I personally think that this move by the UFC to make it the main event was, was personally, in my opinion, a bad idea. As you may have read, the fans were pretty upset about it. They felt like that wasn't the proper main event to put in Sacramento. Obviously, uh, next weekend in San Antonio, RDA and Leon Edwards headline, which is a fantastic fight in its own right. But I just feel like putting on this as a headliner to an ESPN Plus show 
in, in Sacramento is isn't the greatest flavor. I think that if Uriah Faber wasn't on this card or Josh Emmett, I don't think people would care about it as much. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree with you too. Um, to be honest with you though, I, I mean, I definitely am not a fan of GDR as far as her personal character. But because we're talking about fights, uh, I actually have her winning this fight. And I think she stops Aspen Ladd. I think she finishes her in, in probably within three. Okay. Um, I know Aspen Ladd's undefeated, but like in the last fight, we did see her get touched a lot by Eubanks. Um, we're talking about a, a woman in GDR who's won multiple world championships in Muay Thai. Uh, she's she's stuck around in there with Holly Holm and uh, Raquel Pennington. I I just think this is going to be a huge step up in competition for Aspen Ladd. I, I mean, my heart is with Aspen. I'd love to see GDR get beat up, but I don't see it happening. I think, um, I think GDR is going to be able to hit, hit her with the more powerful shots and stay consistent. But if we see... A slow down. I mean, she is 35 and Aspen's 24. So if we see Aspen come out there with the the tenacity and the youth and the aggression, then I think we can see Aspen Ladd win via decision. I could see that. I just hope it's a very entertaining fight no matter which way it goes. Oh, so. of course. Yeah. Better be. Um, and then I do like the first fight on the main card, too. Uh, uh, Cesar Barrera and Marvin and Marvin Vittori. Both, both of those, both of those guys are going to bring it. I think too. I think overall, the majority of the fights on this card are actually really compelling, just from a matchup perspective. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this um, Caesar, he's really good. He's not the most technical guy, though, as far as his striking goes. He's not that technical, but um, right. he, he does go out there and he does put it on. So. I'm excited to see him perform because he really is a true fighter. His heart's for sure there. Um, and then Martin Vittori, I mean, he he went to split decision with uh, Adesanya. So this dude can that's fight, pretty, man. This dude can fight. Yeah, He's a minus pretty, 145. That's, that, yeah, that's pretty good considering how talented style bender is, especially with his elusive striking. I mean, he fights awfully similar to John Jones and just has, it, has his own swagger to him. Uh, he self-reported that the fight between him and Whitaker is going to be in Australia, but I don't think that's been confirmed by the UFC quite yet. But if it is, if it is in Australia at Rod Lavar Arena for the fifty-five thousand people, that is going to be crazy. October fifth. That's for that's for sure. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Well, I'm uh-huh. excited. I'm. This is a. Uh... Now that we've really been going over this card, it's actually a lot more stacked than I thought and I think what a lot of other people think too. Yeah, and then there's one fight that got canceled on this card. I'm sure you may have read about it. Uh, Benel Darius and Dakar Close off the card. I did. I did read about that and I'm super, super disappointed to be honest. But Mm -hmm. what can you do? I I, I was looking forward to watching Dakar Close fight, actually. So... I mean, I think, yeah, I think he would have, uh, I think he would have beat Dariush. Despite that card, despite that fight being taken off the card, I still think it's a very deep card with a lot of interesting prospects that people for the first time who are 
kind of casuals in the rest into this ESPN thing, we'll, we'll get a chance. We'll get a chance to see. This is a true hardcore, hardcore fans card. But overall, though, I think if I think if you're a casual fan, there's some fights from this card that are relatively entertaining. So that, that's a, that's another huge positive. And then they keep rolling. Next weekend they're in San Antonio. The weekend after that they're in Toronto. And the weekend after that they go to New Jersey. And and they and then they just keep moving. They they right. have a card every weekend for like the next six weeks. So. That's right. It's going to be a busy summer. So I'm excited for all the fights that are coming out, man. Do you have any interesting news and notes that we haven't gone over from the week that you think um that you think is relevant? I have a few I have a few things for sure. Go for it, bro. The floor is yours. So I don't know if you watch it, but on last week's episode of Dana White's contender series, he gave a contract out to all five winners, which I thought was very interesting. The card itself was very good. Um the guy who impressed me the most, his last name um, hang on. Uh, one guy who impressed me the most is Antonio Tricoli. He fought at Brazil. He fought this guy up in Norway, and he just completely dominated him. Three minutes and 57 seconds in, he won by submission, and he made it look easy. And then Justin Selecki fought, um, fought I, think his, uh, I think his name was, I think his name was Wallace, and so like he beat him, and I think this was the main event of the Contender Series episode, and he won within the first, like, 55 seconds. Super impressive. The guy who I was most impressed with, though, was this guy, um, Tulu, out of Hawaii. Um, it, was the, it, was the, it was the second fight in the card, and he fought this guy named Sumter, and the body shots he threw were just, were just masterful. He's going to be a threat to everybody at Bantamweight, and he's probably the best fighter out of Hawaii since Max Holloway, and I think he's going to take over the UFC in the next five years. And as I've only seen, I've only seen this dude fight once, but I was super impressed in the in the mere one minute and 15 seconds that I saw of his fight, which was the which was the time he needed in order to finish uh, Sumter, who looked good in the first 30 seconds. So, Overall, that was good. Jonathan Pierce fought Jacob Rosales, too. Jonathan Pierce won. Um, uh, unfortunately, Rosales came into the fight with, I think it was a torn ACL, and I don't know how the commission approved him to fight, but he hung in there for like three and a half rounds and ended up getting stopped to be a TKO over. Well, the episode of the Contender Series was good. Dana was asked at the post-fight scrum uh, if he would continue this short ended up giving out uh, a contract to five fighters, and he said, you know, if the guys are all deserving of it, I'm going to keep doing it, but if there's only two to three, I'm going to go back to that. Overall, though, it was an extremely entertaining episode, and it was probably the best episode of the Contender Series that I've ever seen. And he, I think he signed a lot of good prospects. I think that that show is on the up and up, and I think it's a great concept. I just wish that he would do it once every quarter. I wish he would do it four times a quarter instead of once every summer. I could absolutely watch that show every Tuesday night. It's cool how many different prospects he finds every week. And I think overall the concept of the show is very great. I love your take on it, man. I agree with everything you said. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with your take, bro. Yeah, I just wish... Um, I guess Dana screwed up before the first episode. He let the public come to it. And I, I guess one of his PR people got got really pissed. 
and then for allowing for for allowing the public to come in. But I guess in the past, Dana has let that happen with some of the taping of the Ultimate Fighter and stuff. So I think it would be cool if one day he would him and his PR team would allow everybody to come out and see that show because I've seen the like videos of the Apex and it looks cool. Barstool Sports just came out with a full tour of the entire headquarters and uh, Dana White's office in various rooms. If you haven't checked it out, it's with Robbie Fox. He dropped it last night. It's really, really cool. Um, he's got some very nice rooms. Brent even has this one room where he can go in uh, with, uh, with Greg Borsari and one of the matchmakers, either Nick or Sean. Um, is what happens is one matchmaker goes to every UFC but what happens is if Craig Borsari and Dana, um, if, if Dana doesn't go to them and Craig Borsari doesn't go, so they, so they have this huge room with like really nice couches and pretty much a chef comes in, makes them dinner, and they can watch the fights and control the entire production from this one room anywhere in the world. So any any fight that Dana doesn't want to go to, he just goes, he just goes in there. And it's like a secret room too Damn. that nobody can find. Damn, that's some top secret shit. No, I know. But that's cool. I the know. concept's great. But yeah, I, I agree. agree. They should be putting it on yeah. more. They should be definitely putting on some uh, anything to get more fighters involved in the UFC. Get some, get some new prospects. Not so we don't see the same names. Give uh, give these guys a future. Give them a, at least a chance to have a future in the UFC. I agree. I just wish it wasn't eight times every summer. I. They would try to make it up into doing four episodes a quarter. That way, you can sign more fighters that way. Right. Instead of having to wait a whole other year for the next season. Agreed. That's bro. how. That's how. That's how entertaining the show is. I actually think, and this may sound bold, but I actually think, considering um, how old the Ultimate Fighter is, I think it passed the Ultimate Fighter in terms of entertainment value. Because what I love about the contender. Is you just go in there. There's no, um, there's no entrance music. There's no hype. It's just the features and the people streaming the the people streaming the show. And you just go in there and, and you fight, and you fight in front of Dana and as they say, toughest job interview in sports. And I just think I just think it's cool. I think it's a great way to get new prospects. And I think it's cool because it's accessible to everyone who has ESPN Plus and. Fight Pass and all the other services from all over the world, and I think it's probably the best concept he's ever created in terms of a show. So I like it a lot, actually. And the fights are just really good. So yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, again, everything you said, I'm I'm completely on board. I agree with you uh, on everything. I appreciate that uh, you came on here, and not only did you help me break down a lot of these noticeable fights that are coming up tomorrow, but you definitely. Uh, put me and a lot of other people on what what really is out there more than just the fight nights. There's other things going on. There's other, like the Contender Series going on. Uh, and you gave a really good take on it. So there's a lot more content out, out there than what um, the casual fans are, are seeing just on the weekends, you know? So I really appreciate you taking some time to put the spotlight on those as well. Just more than the fight oh, nights. Oh sure, and the most interesting thing I took away from the barstool video that they that they put on was what what Dana does is he has these um he's got this war room where he has every fighter he's got like all the updated rankings that he has people update for him every Tuesday, but 
the coolest wall in the whole pl- in the whole room in this one room that he has is he's got every fighter from the contender series that has ever won in the first three seasons and how many numbers they pulled. So actually, before going in to Sean O'Malley's contender series debut, which he won in super impressive fashion, 3.2 million people already knew Sean O'Malley was before the fight. And I thought that that was fascinating. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't know about any of that. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when Dana puts together a fight card and he wants to take the guys off of the or women, women or men off of the contender series who, who have won, he just works with the numbers. And if the numbers correspond, that's the that's the fight that Dana makes, and it eventually it becomes a fight that people want to see. So it just makes it, it just makes it easier for him to have all of the numbers right in front of him. So. I found that, and I found that to be super interesting. Yeah, dude, I love it. I think it's interesting too. Um, mm-hmm. So we just knocked out half an hour, man. Um, I really appreciate you getting on. I'm I'm really looking forward to the to the fights this weekend. I appreciate being able to bounce my ideas off you and hear your takes as well, and um, also like all this exposure that you just gave as well to um, events outside of just typical fight nights and pay per views. I appreciate it, man. Um, I definitely am looking forward to getting you back on soon. I, I I know that you've been flexible with your schedule with me, so I really appreciate that too, bro. Anytime. Uh, um, in case you guys are interested, I'm currently a contributor for Fan Sided MMA and the Unwrap Sports Network, and tomorrow they have me assigned to an undercard fight. I'll be covering Benito Lopez versus Vince Morales in Pinyon News UFC debut versus Jonathan Martinez. That is the first fight and third fight in the early prelims. All of these fights tomorrow can be caught exclusively on ESPN Plus beginning at 5 o'clock Eastern. So this card should be really good. I'm excited about it. I'm excited too, bro. I can't wait to chat about it after it goes down. Sounds good. Cool. All right, Zan. You're the man, dude. I appreciate you getting on. Um, I'm going to post this podcast within... 15 minutes from now so uh stay tuned on twitter man thank you i will for sure all right my brother talk to you soon have a good one you too peace all right guys thanks for staying tuned that was uh zan bando you can find him at z-a-i-n-b-a-n-d-o-9-9 on twitter uh make sure to follow me at ufc unwrapped on twitter and uh Please stay tuned. We are we are working on that YouTube channel still and getting on Sportscaster, the app I told you about in the beginning where I could stream video and video content. Um, but right now, just look us up on the podcast app, UFC Unwrapped, or check out my Twitter for a link at UFC Unwrapped. Thank you for all the questions. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the fights this weekend, and I'm looking forward to interacting with you guys more on Twitter. You guys mean the world to me. This is the most fun hobby I've had in a really long time. Shout out all you guys. Uh, I love you, man. Have a safe weekend. Thanks for being patient. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Peace.